The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 10, The Restless, Part 2. Before we begin this episode, I wanted to take a moment to share some good news with you. The Night Owl Podcast has partnered with Story Bar, a local arts initiative featuring live storytelling events in and around the Austin area. We've come together to feature a live event on October 11th, 2018. So mark your calendars, because we're teaming up to present Free Range Spirits, a night of live ghost stories on a haunted farm. This is going to be a really fun night. We're celebrating the end of our first year of the show and gearing up to start our second year. Familiar folks you'll recognize from the first year's episodes will be in attendance. And last but not least, we'll be at Pioneer Farms, a vast historical site with haunts of their very own. So come get in the spirit of Halloween with some live ghost stories, a big campfire, music, and a beautiful country setting like none other. Tickets are on sale now at www.storybaratx.com slash event slash free dash range dash spirits. If you're in the Austin area and have a story that you'd like to present at this event, you can contact me at thenightoutpodcast at gmail.com. But hurry, there's not much time left. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, please send an email to thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com. In this episode, we return to the home in New Braunfels, where husband and wife, Amanda and Paul, have been reporting troubling experiences. This time, we bring Sarah, my clairvoyant friend, to see if she can shed any light on this puzzling case. My team and I push for answers and question whether or not what's being experienced is supernatural or could have a rational scientific explanation. Follow along with us as Sarah once again impresses us with her discoveries. We capture audio of what appears to be the noises Amanda and Paul experience daily. And lastly, do what we can to help this family feel comfortable in their own home and ultimately get some rest. If you're new to this show, a quick note. This podcast is best devoured in chronological order. So if this happens to be the first episode you're trying out, stop right now. Go back and start with episode one. If nothing else, you must at least go back one episode and start listening to this mini-series with episode nine, The Restless Part One. To quickly recap the last episode, my good friend and fellow paranormal investigator Franklin discovered a new personal case involving a husband and wife suffering from a series of unexplained events and sightings in their newly purchased home in New Braunfels, Texas. He, my other good friend Alexis, and myself decided to team up once more and see if we could go and investigate the claims of this house to see if we could provide any answers for this couple. I interviewed Amanda and Paul separately and their stories matched. They had reported hearing loud noises in their house, witnessed apparitions and spiritual manifestations, and even saw an object levitate. As you'll recall, I became very ill while interviewing Amanda and Paul, so much so that I had to abandon the investigation and had to be taken out to my truck to lay down and rest. I wasn't sure if I'd caught a terrible flu bug, but I had a massive headache, chills, and severe nausea. I didn't know what was happening inside the house for the next hour, but I was able to talk with Franklin and Alexis afterward. So we got to Amanda and Paul's house, and it's a very small, quaint house. Uh, there's nothing really to it. Doesn't seem menacing 
when you walked in the house, however, there was a atmosphere about it. It almost seemed like you were walking in, in high altitude. I had just gotten back from vacationing in Colorado and being at 14,000 feet, so it seemed very familiar. The atmosphere seemed rather thick. Nothing else in the house seemed off. Usually in my kit, I have most of the um, EMF detectors. They pick up electromagnetic fields, usually used by electricians to find electromagnetic anomalies. Electromagnetic fields uh, are given off by everything from people to animals to appliances. Um, It's how you find wires in your wall. Franklin and I were taking some EMF readings of the space to see if anything was out of the ordinary. And we did notice a few areas in the house that had extremely high amount of EMF. So this meter is uh, analog. It's not digital. There is uh, a dial. It moves from left to right. Um, Left means there's nothing. Right means that there's a lot of something, depending on which mode you have it on. Zero to three is ultra sensitive. Zero to 100 is the full spectrum. So I'm just walking around the house. And I noticed that there's one particular part in the house that has very strong EMF. So strong that it sends my meter off the charts, like past 100. It, it just keeps the needle all the way to the right, and it won't, it won't flux. Turns out that on the opposite side of the house, on the outside, that's where the junction box is. That's where the main electricity is. So someone who is sitting in this part of the house, there just happens to be a couch there, who might be sensitive to EMF, since that is a thing. People can be sensitive to EMF. If someone were to sit there for a prolonged period of time, they would suffer headaches, nausea, rage, paranoia, and maybe even in the rare circumstance, start to hallucinate. So it was an extremely high amount of EMF that you were sitting right next to. And that essentially what that does is it can make you sick, it can make you see things, hear things, feel things, um, kind of give you that fun house effect feeling too, like there's something in the room with you or you're not feeling, just you feel a little unsettled, you're not feeling right. You were pretty sick. I mean, you looked pale. I'd never seen you look that pale before. And the thing about like with you, you were pale, but like around your eyes, you were just really dark. I mean, you were uncle festered out. I was a little worried, too, because I was like, I really hope that it's just the EMF that you're feeling. Because if it's not EMF, if it's something else, if it's something, quote unquote, dark or demonic, then that's a totally different story. Like, you're sick because something is purposefully trying to make you sick. Although not great news, I felt that this discovery of the high EMF reading coming from the living room couch area was reassuring in one aspect. I now believed that my sickness was because of EMF exposure and not something supernatural or demonic in nature. However, we still had more investigating to do to determine if this same high EMF exposure was the reason behind all of Abanda and Paul's experiences. Another spot in the house where EMF is particularly strong, not nearly anywhere near as strong as the junction box, but just pretty high, is in the bathroom. Um, there is a LED lamp and a light-emitting diode lamp where it is openly, openly exposed, and if you were to stand under it long enough, it would have to be quite more duration than the junction box. You would might 
um, have these experiences as well. We took some readings when the light was on, and there was a significant amount of EMF coming off of that. So um, this is an older house, um, all hardwood floors. Uh, in the master room, there is a closet. In the back of the closet, a piece of the flooring has been cut out, and there's a cubby hole there. When Amanda and Paul bought the house, the cubby hole was open. You could pull the pull the floor up and stick your hand in the hole, and then what I believe is some kind of hide hole where you could stash a gun or cash or something very small. After the purchase of the house, whoever they bought the house from nailed this little section shut. An odd thing happened when Alexis and I were in the bedroom investigating this little cubby hole in the floor. When I went in there to get a closer look, Franklin had his EMF detector in his hand, and the the minute I got close to it, he said his EMF meter spiked. And I just happened to be looking down while he was doing this, and I was like, oh, well, that's weird. And I asked him to do it again. So he sat up, then leaned back over into the closet and touched the box again, and the EMF detector spiked again. So something was kind of like correlating there, but I don't know what that is. I mean, the only thing I could think of is that it's like a valuables place where you would keep your valuables or your gun or, you know, something that you want to hide. But we're not necessarily sure why the EMF would react at that exact moment. The other thing that was interesting was you were still in the truck uh, trying to recover and we were still kind of looking around and we started asking questions about the noises that they they would hear from the other room about the slams and i think they even re, they he re- recreated the idea of like if somebody took like a very big heavy stack of books and just dropped them on the ground like that's how loud the noise would be from the other room and as we were just there kind of talking Franklin literally is saying, I don't think there's anything here. I think anything, everything here can be scientifically explained. His recorder goes off, and it's literally just sitting on the table by itself. And the recorder goes off and starts playing a Frank's box session that we did earlier in the living area. So that was kind of interesting. And, and we were all in the kitchen when that happened. It was myself, uh, Franklin, the clients, and they had two friends as well that were there. Something else that I could not explain occurred when we first arrived and began doing our initial EMF baseline sweep through the house. I was following Franklin with my recorder. When we got to the bathroom where a lot of the activity had been reported, as I passed through the doorway to enter the bathroom, my recorder shut off. It completely died. I checked the batteries. They were fine, but I went ahead and replaced them with new ones. Each time I went near the bathroom, the recorder would power off by itself. It would take me several tries to turn it back on again. This happened four times in a 15-minute time span. We tried to determine if high EMF was causing it but where I was holding the recorder was too far away from the hanging light in the bathroom that was emitting high MF. I didn't chalk this up to be something paranormal right away, and was actually really worried that my one and only recorder was actually broken. What's weird is that this only ever happened while on this case in New Braunfels. When I returned to the house throughout this case, my recorder would continue to act up. It wasn't until I was finished with this case entirely that my recorder returned back to its good working condition. So I can't really explain it. While Franklin and I were doing our initial sweep in that bathroom, we also wanted to examine the shower door and the two doors that opened up to this breezeway bathroom. The shower door had been heard on more than one occasion to open and slam shut. Upon inspecting the door, it was a magnetic pull-open single glass door. The magnetic strip was strong and wasn't just a small section of the seal, but ran from the top to the bottom of the entire door. So this door, when shut, would stay shut securely. 
Franklin and I also tested to make sure that air suction from doors opening and closing or the air conditioning turning on couldn't force the shower door closed if it was left hanging open. Surprisingly, it wouldn't budge. The door was heavy and hung straight. I even tried tapping it and bumping it lightly. It would never swing close enough to the magnetic strip to snap it shut. You have to manually open and close this door. So I couldn't debunk the noises that Amanda and Paul had reported hearing with the shower door. As for the two doors opening up to the bathroom itself, they were sliding doors. So there's really no way to move these doors at all unless you've got your hands on them. So in the end, we determined there were two very high EMF readings in this house. One was in the living room right by the couch. It was coming from the junction box that was mounted on the exterior of the house that was right behind the couch area. And the other high EMF reading was coming from the breezeway bathroom, a pendant light hanging from the ceiling that hangs right above your head if you're standing at the sink washing your hands or brushing your teeth. Both of these high EMF areas have a significant amount of activity reported around them as well. The noises Amanda and Paul hear at night while in bed sound like they are coming from the living room or the kitchen. And the majority of the other reports they had centered around this breezeway bathroom. The friend having his clothes thrown to the floor while showering, the shower doors opening and closing, and then Amanda seeing the shadow and the light fall from the ceiling. But some things were left to question still. When Amanda and Paul heard noises at night, they were always in bed. But we tested their bedroom and found absolutely no high EMF readings whatsoever. So if what they were hearing and experiencing was a symptom or a hallucination induced by high EMF exposure, then this doesn't add up for the experiences that they had in their bedroom, including witnessing the laundry levitate and fly up. Then, if you analyze the bathroom reports, no one was standing by the sink when they had experiences. They were either in the shower or in the bedroom hearing things happen in the bathroom. Based on the EMF levels Franklin was picking up, he said that someone would have to stand under that light in the bathroom for a very long duration of time to even begin to feel the effects of it. There were still a lot of questions hanging in the air. How are Amanda and Paul having experiences at the same time? Even if EMF sickness was causing delusions or hallucinations, it's nearly impossible for them to have the same hallucination at the exact same time. And when someone's seeing something that's generated in their own mind, it doesn't match what someone else sees in their own mind. So the dark shadow floating in their kitchen and the laundry flying up in the air were two testimonies I couldn't explain away with the scientific rationalization of EMF exposure. Wrapping up that evening, I wasn't sure if Amanda and Paul had a haunting on their hands yet, but before leaving, we urged them to have an electrician come out and take a look at their breaker box. I wanted them to stay away from that area and limit their time under the light in the bathroom as well to see if that helped. Meanwhile, I was going to reach out to clairvoyant friend Sarah and see if she'd be down to come and just have a look. When I called her, that's when she surprised me with some information about two spirits that had come to visit her. She wasn't sure if they were connected to this case, since she knew nothing about it, but she was seeing a woman spirit, and a spirit that she felt might not be human. It was something dark, and she told me if this inhuman spirit was connected to this case I was currently on, she wanted to act fast because things might escalate or get worse. Uh, but my concern is more lying towards that non-human kind of element and the anger that's shining red. So I, I, I really want to get out there as soon as we, we can. Um, when you let me know where we're going. It is Friday, May 11th, 2018, and we're here at a residence in New Braunfels with Sarah. So, What are you getting so far? So when I sent you the initial drawing that day that you guys came, 
Uh, but these are the two that came across that day. Same two, this day. Sarah was showing me a drawing she had done of the spirits that had visited her. One of them was a woman facing us, and the other was a side profile of a man, but it didn't quite look like a man. It had some odd-shaped ears, and the facial features were a little bit off. So... This was the only one that I'm, it's giving me some concern. Okay. We'll see. We'll get in there and figure it out. Yeah, if you need to step out, just do what you need to do. We'll just go in and walk around. Not yet. That was Renee calling out from the car. He was going to sit back and wait until Sarah needed him. Just a quick reminder, Renee is Sarah's husband, and he occasionally has come to some of our cases and helped us out. He's not sensitive at all, but he has some sort of repelling effect with spirits and kind of pushes away negative energies. We were inside the house now. Hmm. Okay. Within seconds, Sarah walked directly to the hallway where Paul had his first sighting of the little girl. Okay. Are you going to talk to me? I'm just going to pace through. Is that okay if I walk through this door? She's now standing exactly where Paul had spotted the little girl apparition, which was the first documented sighting in this case. The very first thing she does when she gets to the hallway is look at the bedroom door and stand in the position that Paul had described seeing the little girl in, and then now she's opening the spare bedroom door that Paul saw the little girl walk into. Do you not want to talk to me? Okay. What is it? Are you going to stand still and let me talk to you? It's a woman. She is Native American. We were talking about this outside. Um, and she's the girl in the in my sketch that I've seen twice. But she kind of is just flinting in and out. Almost. Okay, well, I'm going to leave that for a second. She's concentrating a lot in that back room. This was interesting. Sarah did pick up on something in the area that correlated with Paul's experience. However, there's a significant difference in what Sarah is seeing and what Paul reported seeing. Paul saw a little girl. Sarah sees a woman who is Native American. She moves out of the spare room and back into the hallway. There's someone here that likes to play some fun with these people. Likes to what? They like to have fun. They like to scare them. Creaks and noises, creaks and creaks. Sarah chanted this lightly as she paced down the hallway. She was now picking up on something that directly related to the experiences our clients were dealing with regularly. Unexplained noises that kept Amanda and Paul up all night. Now remember, on this case, we've kept Sarah completely in the dark. She knows nothing, absolutely nothing about this case. And now, within five minutes of being in the house, she's seen a female spirit hanging out in the area that matched the reported sighting Paul had, and now she's picking up on noises and a spirit that likes to play and scare Amanda and Paul. Okay, so the, I've got the girl, of course, who's running around here. It's that man that I saw in the window. I can't find him, and then that's kind of concerning me because he was very clear. And she's extremely nervous, but she's always here towards this room, but mostly on this side. Again, Sarah's referring to the spare bedroom and the hallway as her area. I hear a lot of noises. I hear a lot of, like, um... Like, knocking. Is it something you hear in a particular place? I want, I'm trying to center it around here somewhere, but I can't figure out where it's coming from. It almost 
like for a while it sounded like it was like all around me and then all of a sudden it was just kind of like focused in just this one area and I'm trying to figure out where which room it's coming from. At this moment we're standing in the hallway between the two bedroom doors. Currently it's just myself, Alexis, and Sarah. Alexis is snapping pictures at the end of the hall near the living room area when suddenly Sarah asks Alexis to freeze. Apparently she's finally seen the male spirit around Alexis. Who are you? You can tell me or you can talk to this lovely microphone here. Are you tied to these people? Alexis, move right. I got you. He doesn't want to talk to me. Are you going to talk to me? She's here. He does not like Alexis. He's not going to do anything to you if you tell me who you are. Yeah, he's not going to talk to me. What did you get? Like, anything at all? Any visuals? I don't like him. I don't like him at all. The girl, though, she's very protective. She's kind of hovering over here in this area. But he's kind of... Initially, I saw him in the window. Then he disappeared. And then he was right behind Alexis in the hallway. And she immediately came over here. I I feel like this is, like, just the spot that she kind of hangs out with, trying to maybe keep him away but I still have that feeling like he's not he's not a human spirit his personality is not there not like hers at this moment the female spirit almost interrupted Sarah with some imagery and was trying to show her her name I have no idea what language that is can uh pictures pictures are better can you give me pictures like maybe um one at a time he's sleeping sleep Slower. Can you tell me what you're, who you're protecting? So do they have kids running in and out of the room all the time? Like out of the house? I'll have to ask. We can ask. She's talking a lot about uh, children. Um, almost like uh, in a protective kind of fashion. Who's and telling you this This stuff? is the girl who I cannot, if I ask this name, it's not going to come to me. I have no idea what this name is. It's a really long name in a weird language that I don't understand. Um, she looks young, but she's not. She's older. She's like maybe, I want to say like in her 30s maybe. But she has like a youthful spirit to her. And she keeps, it's like a warning. Like she keeps warning me about something or she's trying to point something out to me, but I don't, like it's here. It's here somewhere. And she's almost saying, get rid of it. Like get it out. They brought it in. They brought it in. Something new, something that changed. It just changed uh She's been protecting them since then. So there's something new in the house that shouldn't be here. I just don't know what it is. But whatever it is, it's in here, in this area. Where does this guy go? I just want to know where this guy goes. So he disappears, he reappears, disappears, he reappears. Disappearing, reappearing, disappearing, reappearing. So she's being very protective, which, okay, I'm good with her. It's this other one, and I've got to figure out how to get him out. I know you want me to leave. But can you tell me who you are? He's mad. All right, I'll stop. If you tell me who you are. Can you tell me why you're bothering these nice people? I told you I'd stop if you tell me your name. He's not going to do anything to you, not unless I say so. So can you tell me who you are? Okay, okay, okay. Knock, knock, knock. Is that you that does all that knocking? Makes all those noises? 
I'm just going to keep asking you questions. If you want me out, say so. But you need to say so out loud so we can hear you in the microphone. You see that device, this one here? You can talk into it anytime you want to, or you can just continue to bombard me with pictures. That's fine. That one's showing you things? Oh, fuck. Who's wrong? Who's... Who's Amanda? I'm pissing him off. I don't want to make him mad. Yeah, I don't want to make him mad right now. You want to go back for a little bit? Yeah, I don't want to make him mad. Matter. We stepped outside, and for the first time, Sarah met Amanda and Paul. Up until now, she hadn't been able to see or talk to them. She didn't even know their names, and I wanted to keep it that way for now. Sarah had actually got the name Amanda inside from the male spirit just moments ago. However, there was a plaque in the hallway with Amanda's name on it, so we couldn't definitively say that Sarah got this name through her ability solely. So that's why I didn't point out the fact that she had actually gotten the client's name right a moment ago. I instructed Amanda and Paul just to listen to what Sarah was going to say and not confirm or deny anything just yet. I wanted to see where this investigation was going to go. But when we got outside, Sarah was still stuck on sounding out a name that the male spirit was giving her. I think this is for you, Alexis. I don't know what this means. It's like a zot, like a, it's almost like a symbol, like a Z, like this. I don't know. And then I thought it was going to be a name when we started it off, but then it just kind of like trailed off here. And it was like a Z and then an A. And then I lost the rest of the letters. At first I thought it was going to be like Zachary or Zachariah. Mm-hmm. That's where I thought they were headed. And then it was like the letters just kind of trailed off. But this is like a, it looks like a symbol. When I ask his name, that's what he's giving me. He's giving me like these symbols. He's not giving me a name. He's giving me these weird, I just don't like him. I like her though, <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, she's been floating around the house doing double time duty. She's floating around the house. She's kind of trying to keep everything at bay. I mean, she's floating in and out. So she, I know she's traveling around. I think she's based on the property. It's because she's going outside, inside. She's all over the place. But she's been concentrating mostly on those back of the hallway towards that back bedroom is where she ushered me first. And when we were walking back there, all I heard was like knocking, knocking, almost like somebody was knocking all the way around me. And it's like she's telling me there's lots, there's lots of noise. There's lots of things like someone keeps messing with stuff right so i'm trying to i want to try to get a clearer reading but every time she tries to get specific suddenly i'll see him and I, i'll focus on him because he's he's got a little bit more anger in him uh, and i want to focus on on that a little bit because i want to understand that a little bit better i'm not seeing him like i'm just not seeing a personality in him and that's what's scaring me the girl i can see you know that she's got that personality in her most people have and he keeps saying he's wrong so i don't know if he means you or he means someone else. Sarah was addressing Paul in this moment. I kept it to myself, but I secretly wondered, was this male spirit taking a stab at Paul and his skepticism in the paranormal? From the start, we all knew that Paul was having the most experiences, yet he strongly denied belief in the supernatural. And Paul had recently been having much more experiences since starting to work from home. I wondered if this male spirit was toying with Paul, trying to scare him with the bangs and the noises, to show him he was wrong in denying his existence. But she, she, she's extremely very protective. She's showing me flowers and land, and she's very sweet. Uh, but she's an older woman, so if you were to see her, you were going to see her. She's going to look like a child. I don't know if you caught that. 
Sarah began sharing some information on the Native American woman spirit when she, out of the blue, tells Paul and Amanda that if they see her, she would appear as a child. I couldn't help it. In the moment, my eyes darted to Alexis. He, too, had caught this. We were both shocked and staring at each other. Sarah had mentioned this detail to us. This was the first time she'd said anything about this woman appearing to the clients as a child, which validated Paul's sighting. But she's not. It's an adult. It's, she's maybe in her 30s. She'll be standing either at the foot of the bed or in the hallway or in this room here. She likes to come in here sometimes. Uh, but she'll look like a kid. That's what she's going to look like. And children. So do you guys have children or you have children that come over a lot? You can barely hear it, but Amanda tells Sarah that she has one grandbaby that's two months old, and they were visiting recently. That makes sense, because children tend to have big sources of energy. So when they're here, um, kind of pay attention to where the baby looks a lot. Like, if they look in certain corners of the room, or if they look in certain areas, and the reaction. If it's, if it's a kind of, like, confused kind of reaction... It might be him. If it's more of a relaxed, kind of playful, kind of, I'm talking to somebody, it should, it will be her. He is very intimidating. So you'll feel like there are going to be days where you come home, everything's fine, everything was, you had a great day, and as soon as you got home, now you're angry. You get here and all of a sudden everything's pissing you off and you don't know why. That's him. That's him doing that. And she's trying to, you know, like wrangle it in, but it's just her by herself. And I think she's, she's, I think she's just tired now. Uh, she's been on protective mode for a while, and she goes into overdrive when you have kids in. That's why she's like, oh, yeah, the kids, they make me happy, but I'm very tired. I'm very tired. It's him. He's the one I want to focus on when we get in there. I want to see how I can get him to talk to me or open up. But he definitely does not like Alexis. And I have an inkling, a feeling why. I think you're going to need him about to make him mad because I want him to tell me what he wants. Without being cryptic, because that's it's, it's making me mad that he's being cryptic, and she's very to the point, like, no, keep on him. At this point, we still aren't certain if this male entity Sarah is seeing is a human spirit. The way she describes it, having no personality, his appearance, and most recently the symbols he showed Sarah for his name, match those of a goetic alphabet. Goetia is a practice that involves the conjuration of demons. So Alexis pointed out to me that the symbols that this entity was showing Sarah for its name were in fact real symbols from this alphabet. But before re-entering the house, Sarah was getting more imagery from the female spirit. What so do you have a look like this? Show show me again. Like there's designs on it, okay. But what is it? Oh, like a like a flute? This is looks like it looks like a flute. Like a flute or a or, uh that's not a flute. Like a pipe. Okay, it's more like a pipe. There's smoke coming out of it now. Okay. Do you have anything like a that? A wooden long, will be about, maybe about this long or so. And it's a pipe. Or it looks wooden. I mean, that's the image she's giving me, so it could be not be wood, but usually it's around the same textile. So it's usually wood or it looks kind of similar, almost like this. Okay, I'm a terrible artist. I'm sorry. Just kind of like deduce I mean, it from in. You have incense holders like, that are wooden. Sarah had believed at this moment that the Native American spirit was trying to show her something that the male spirit was tied to, an object that might be in the house that, if removed, might remove him as well. Things were still a little bit hazy early on on this issue, but she believed it to be a pipe of sorts. But more would come to her on this later. We pressed on and into the house. Can you tell me who you are, but without the symbols, who are you? 
All right, so we have these nice people. Can you tell me what you want from them? Or show me what it is that I'm supposed to be looking for that belongs to you? Oh, you're an asshole. Okay, cool. He's not leaving. That's what he said. What if I told you you had to go? What are you going to do? Oh, yeah? Show me. Show me. Make a noise. Anywhere. Pick a spot. Show me who you are. Knock on a door. Open a cabinet. You said you have that much power. Do it. You're going to have to leave. You're going to have to leave these people alone. You know that, right? Oh, I'm starting to think you're all fluff. Sarah begins to think that the male spirit is just projecting an image that's actually darker and scarier than he really is. Meanwhile, the female spirit is continuing to interject and try to help us with images and clues. She keeps telling me there's something new in the house, but I, I can't. They brought it in. They need to take it out. Sarah begins to add to the drawing of the pipe she had started earlier. It almost looks like there's a dip and smoke. That's what it looks like. It looks like a pipe. What do you... Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Are you telling me you want me to turn on a pipe? Dark and light, dark and light, turn on, on and off, on and off. Okay. I think she's trying to tell me that they try to, like with the stuff that they do, like the sage, the all that stuff, it's not working. I think that's what she's saying. She's saying that's not making them go away. I'm trying to put that all together. That's what it feels like. It feels like that's not making them go, making him go away. That's not going to work. Cause she's like, it's burning. I just see like burning and then taking energy and pushing it. And at first I thought, okay, we'll get it out. Like there's something here, get it out. And I think he's a new spirit and she's trying to get him out. And she's tired. I understand you're tired. I asked Sarah if she could determine how long the male presence had been in the house. She began trying to figure out a way to ask this of the Native American spirit. The challenge was communication with images and how do you communicate the passage of time? After a few tries with images of clocks and calendars, Sarah was getting images of seasons from the Native American spirit. I found this interesting because for us, clocks and calendars make sense, but it wouldn't for someone from her time. Seasons, okay, so they're seasons. They're um, fall, fall, fall twice, two years. It was hard to decipher in this moment, but looking back, I realized that seeing a season twice actually could mean the passage of one year. So this may have been a mistake on our part to assume seeing two falls meant two years. But one interesting thing to consider. Amanda and Paul were coming up on the end of their first year in this house. It was in the back of my mind that if the spirit was new, like the Native American spirit was suggesting to Sarah, then maybe he came with Amanda and Paul. And now this Native spirit was trying to defend her territory. Well, mm-hmm. she's not willing to share the space. She needs this person to go. He's... God, I hope you cut that on the microphone. If he, if you heard it, he just said Amanda's name really loud. Really loud. He is obsessed with her. I would, I would avoid telling her that. I would, too. It's like that if I'm not leaving, this is mine. Mine. But it's her, not the space. Now things were getting a bit more complex. This case may not be about a haunted house. We might have a spirit who's obsessed with Amanda, has attached himself to her, 
and is getting stronger each day. I didn't want to let our clients know this just yet. I felt it wouldn't do any good to give them more things to worry about when they go to bed at night, but I now felt we needed to learn more about this male spirit if we were going to be able to help this family out. Are you getting a sense of where he likes to be or like a common area for him? Here and in there. Sarah was referring to the kitchen and living room, which is one large open room, and the back room where the breezeway bathroom connects to the master bedroom. The noises and the activity that the clients felt was more malevolent or aggressive was focused in these areas that Sarah was now saying the male spirit's domain was. He spends a lot of time in that window. I think he spends a lot of time waiting. It feels like he waits a lot. Does not like... Does not like this man at all. But he really likes Amanda. Things are starting to add up now. Sarah knows nothing about Amanda and Paul's daily routine or life. She barely even knows their name now. Yet, listen to what she's describing here. She mentions the male spirit likes the large window by the front door of their living room. He does a lot of waiting there, she says. Well, Amanda works in Austin and has to leave early and works long hours doesn't even come home until late in the evening or night sometimes. Paul works from home and has been noticing more and more activity in the house when Amanda's away. Sarah also kept repeating that the male spirit absolutely does not like Paul at all. Could this obsessed spirit be jealous? Stuck waiting for Amanda to return home and takes out his frustration on Paul while he's home waiting for Amanda as well. He just feels vacant. That's just so weird. I mean, like, there's no personality to him other than anger and empty. Nothing. There's no... There's no light. There's no... I don't know how to handle that. But he's tethered to something in one of the rooms. So how do we get rid of that? Do you want to bring Renee in and see what, what happens? Good point. At this point, Sarah still believes there's an object the smell spirit may be connected to. And she feels that this tether she's seeing which runs from the living room to the master bedroom, might be something related to this. But the tether disappears when she enters the bedroom, so she can't seem to find the source. Yeah. Amanda, you go outside. Paul, you stay. Okay. <laughs> House full of men. Does He does not like this. Cool. All right. The tether is actually in their bedroom. There's a perfect tether running from in here, out there, and then I, apparently he spends a lot of time walking in here, but this is, he, this is where he's, this is his space. That's why he looks out the window. That's, oh, you're back. Welcome. Oh, uh, yeah, I kind of trapped you there. So now are you going to tell me who you are? Let's try that again, but be nicer to me because you're going to make me mad. We're all standing just at the end of the hallway where it spills out into the living room and around the kitchen and dining areas to possibly keep the male spirit contained in the living room. Amanda is outside. Sarah's husband, Renee... Alexis, Franklin, Paul, and I are standing quietly while Sarah continues to confront the smell spirit, who Sarah now says is trapped in the living room. Because we asked Paul to be here, that's why. A million oceans can't stop me? No? Okay. Well, I, I, I went ahead and gave him the expression. I don't know what that means. Are you going to show me something? I mean, you're so powerful. Can you just make one noise? He's literally trapped because she's standing right here. Can you now tell me your name? He's a regular spirit. Zachary is his name. Can you tell me what you're tied to, Zachary? I can see your tether. Okay, Zach. So you're not all powerful. How old are you? 
It's lifting. Cool. All right. I knew it. I knew the boys were going to do this. It's going to be great. Big arms. Okay. He's got weird shaped ears. He's maybe about 30, 30, 35 years old. How did you die? He's gone. All right. I'm going to give you a random amount. He's in the house. I just don't know where. Yeah, let's do that. He disappeared, and Paul suggested we go check the bedroom. Zachary? Awesome. Don't move, Steven. All right, so I found you. That's actually a really good hiding spot. But you know I learned that trick. Yes, we want you to go. Can't you tell me what you're tethered to? Okay. He won't tell me what he's tied to, I think, because he's afraid we're going to get rid of him. Sarah was under the assumption that the male spirit, who she was now calling Zach was somehow tied to an object in their bedroom. She could see this tether, which she described like a silver thread running from the living room area directly through the master bedroom door in the hallway. But when she went into the room, the thread dissipated. We actually gained clearer understanding of what Zach is tethered to later on, but in this moment, we had to step out of the bedroom because the female spirit was trying to show Sarah something. No, they're not small like little flowers. They're like a good-sized uh-huh. flower. Like maybe... Like the floor to Like the size of... My palm like that. She's been very helpful. Well, She's this Texas funny. sage has purple flowers. Hmm. It's the one that they call it the uh, the barometer because it, they bloom only when it's about to rain. Because she keeps telling me, like, sage, the flower, like, I can see sage, the flowers, and I'm trying to figure out what that third thing is. I can't really tell. It's like a, I'm, like, I'm almost, like, leaning towards oregano looking. That's what it looks like. And she keeps telling me, like, if you mix them, Burn them, mix them and burn them, mix them and burn them. That's, she keeps doing that over and over and over and over again. The Native American spirit seems to be showing Sarah herbs. We don't quite have all the information yet, but we think she could potentially be showing us ingredients for a Native American cleansing ceremony in the tradition of her tribe. I can break the tether. I mean, I can break the tether, but we'd have to break the tether and do it at the same time, because if not, he's just going to reattach. Yeah, that's very clear that it's tied in their bedroom. And where was he hanging out in the bedroom? He was actually behind Stephen. I could see him in the mirrors that you had. Ah. He was behind the door. Let me describe this location a bit more so you can understand where Sarah saw Zach standing when we followed the tether into the bedroom earlier. There's this really short hallway leading from the living room to the back two bedrooms. It's the same hallway the Native American spirit was spotted in earlier. The spare bedroom is down at the end of the hall on the left. The master bedroom is on the right. They're right across from one another. When you open the master bedroom door on the right, it opens inward. Amanda and Paul's bed is directly there when you open this door. The headboard is against the wall on the right when you enter. The door barely misses hitting the side of the bed frame when you open it. When I opened the door, I swung it open and I had my back against the door while Sarah was standing partially in the doorway looking in. Across us on the opposite wall is a mirror. Sarah now informed us that in that mirror, behind the door I had my back on, is where Zach stood hiding. What makes this interesting and slightly more disturbing is that this is the side of the bed that Amanda sleeps on. No one knew this, not even me. We actually didn't learn this until the second time we returned with Sarah, but I feel it's important to note now for you listeners. So it appears the tether runs from the living room straight to Amanda's side of the bed, which is right there when you open the door. Just to kind of recap, whatever this is, is human. It is human. Yeah. 
it was giving me like the I'm the all powerful something and he was just kind of giving himself a lot of like this bravado and I was like all right show me then show me what you can do so he doesn't have as much power as he's trying to push on I think he was just trying to get us out he was doing it until once I started toying with him then suddenly that, that little veil he had started coming down so she's the good one that I don't really want to mess with. I really think you need her. She's been doing her job and doing what she needs to do to kind of keep this guy at bay. But he is a new source. According to her, he's something new that moved, kind of kind of moved in with something that came with you. Uh, but he's very territorial, and he's like, I'm not leaving. He's very determined that he's not going to go. I really don't think he has that much power other than maybe making noises, random noises around the house. Um, it would be like a knocking... Or maybe if you're in one room, something you'll hear something fall. And another, you go look and nothing fell down. Let him go. I don't know how much he's been terrorizing you or not, or what level he's escalated to. But if we don't shut him down now, he's got the potential of getting a little bit worse. You know, as time goes by, he'll start getting a little bit worse because he gets he'll get angry because he's not getting what he wants. What is it? He wants you. I hadn't intended on revealing this to Amanda yet, but the cat was out of the bag. Now Amanda had heard from Sarah that this male spirit wanted her. I immediately began thinking about how this case was different again. We had a family who would have to stay and try to sleep here after we packed up and left tonight. I wasn't satisfied with this. I wasn't happy that the person who called us for help would most likely suffer from anxiety and fear now that we've come in and put these new thoughts into her head. Who knows if any of this is true? But whether or not you believe in the supernatural, I know someone in Amanda's position was going to be affected by what was just said to her. And I was internally struggling with what I could do to help fix this. However, I had no clue, no power in this situation. Oh, and you also got a name for the male, correct? Zachary. Yeah. I got a name. After dealing with symbols and all kinds of stuff, he finally just came clean and said, okay. Um, and he's not, like, I wouldn't put him as an older, like, he's not an older spirit. He's, like, somewhere in the, like, 1990s, like, the, what he looks like is, like, the 1990s, like, the early 1990s. So he's, like, fairly young. Like, he's not, that's why I'm, like, you ain't got no power, dude. Come on now. Is that coming from in there? Yeah. Hitting? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While we were on the back patio, Franklin, a couple others, and myself heard a loud thud or slam come from inside the house. It's hard to hear on this audio clip. There were just so many other things happening that interfered with the sound, but listen to the low, almost bass-like thud that happens while Sarah is saying, you ain't got no power, dude. You ain't got no power, dude. Come on now. I'll play it one more time and increase the volume. You ain't got no power, dude. Come on now. You ain't got no power, dude. Come on now. You ain't got no power, dude. Come on now. What you're hearing is coming from inside the house, and no one other than the dogs is inside at the moment. So we rush in to check it out. Yeah, let, let me see. Go ahead. Oh, is the dog in there? Was it doing it? I know, I know what it is. What is it? Uh, he's been scratching a lot. Uh, he has allergy problems. And his chair. Actually, it doesn't rock Do over here. Oh. Yeah, he was by the door. Is that it? No. No? No, it was like this. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's what I hear all the time. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> Franklin heard the pounding, pounding. Yeah, I heard it, too. What did it sound like to you? Uh, like... Really? Yeah. yeah. That's the other day when I came home and I went to turn on the heater. I heard like the door shook like that. Was it this one? Yeah. And that's where I was standing, huh? When I when I went to 
I, I didn't even touch it, so it wasn't on. It wasn't like the it, it, it just on, did that. It. it just did that, and I was, you know, I opened the door, didn't see anything. Yeah. Paul has just taken me to the same bedroom door that we were just talking about. He's claiming to have heard a bang on the door from the inside. And this is where Sarah spotted Zach hiding just moments ago, on Amanda's side of the bed. It's also where the tether leads. Paul moves over and into the spare room to talk to me about some things there. But yeah, and like, and you see how, our, you know, it's kind of a mess. We're still kind of moving in. Moving in, yeah. So like when I hear something falling here, you I just don't think it come... shifted. Yeah. You just heard that. Mm-hmm. Again, something shifted and moved in the room, and we both heard it. Sadly, you can't hear it on this audio. See, like, like I said, I, if I hear something falling here, it's not that I think it shifted. I just, there's no sense in me coming in here because I can't tell you, I don't spend enough time in here. I asked Paul about the doors that he shuts and tests to see which ones are open when he comes home, and he recalled an incident that happened recently. Um, last weekend, my nephew came over and stayed the night. Um... Because he lives just down the road. Yeah. And, you know, he likes to come here all of this. Um, so he spent the night, and uh, when we woke up in the morning, our bedroom door was open and his door was open. And I know that he shut his door, and our door shouldn't have been open at all. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing, too, because she's talking about the males. Mm-hmm. Your friend was male that came over and showered. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. And then when you, when you have other males visit, there's things that are seeming to, like... Yeah, like uh, his tape recorder kicked on when Phil was here. Paul's referring to the time that we were here last when Franklin's recorder went off when I was in the truck sick. These events were connecting now, but I wanted to test something out. We already did an experiment by getting all the men in the house. Now I wanted to try a walkthrough with just Amanda and Sarah to see what would happen. So eventually Sarah, Amanda, and I made it inside by ourselves. We made our way to the back hallway so we could open the door to the master bedroom. It was then that another noise occurred, this one louder than before. It was very loud, something falling or hitting the floor perhaps. It sounded like it was coming from the spare bedroom, just behind the closed door. I'll play the audio again for you. Listen to the sound between the bedroom door clicking open and me saying, what was that? What was that? Now let's listen to the whole piece of audio and what followed afterward. What was that? Okay, but that was a noise, right? Yeah. Can you, what was that? Can you do that again just to test to make sure the air sucking didn't cause it? When I have Sarah test reopening and closing the door again, there are two sounds that I can only describe as grunts or snorts that occur. One right before the door clicks open, and one right after Sarah reshuts the door. Can you do that again just to test to make sure the air sucking didn't cause it? One more time. I heard it though. I did too. What'd you hear? Like, yeah, yeah. That was before. That was, I, was I thought you did it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was leaning down to blow, to blow the candle, and it happened before I hit the candle. I didn't blow out the candle after. We all heard the thuds in the moment, but not the grunts until afterward. I asked Sarah if she could describe what Zachary looked like to her now that. His veil had been lifted, and he wasn't this creature or inhuman spirit. He's like, you know, like that 90s punk look. Like, he's bald. 
He has a really stringy kind of like goatee. His eyes are kind of recessed a little bit, but he's got that shirt that's a tank that's like this. So you can actually see like his arm, like the are the muscles in his arm. And it's almost like this vest type thing is like, a, it could be like leather or um, that pleather look that they had before. You know, so he's got that like really hard kind of feel to him. So that's why I think it's funny that he was like pretending to be like something that he wasn't. There was one last experiment. I wanted to bring Paul into the equation and see what happened now. So it was just Amanda and Paul, Sarah and me in the house now. Sarah was reporting that Zach was getting angry. He's got to hate it because we have like family snuggle time every night where we all get on the couch with the dogs. And <laughs> What was that? Zach? Is that her? Or was that Zach? He's in the bedroom. He's in the bedroom. Let's go in the bedroom. So what was that, Zach? Can you show me what you just did? We searched the room but couldn't find the source of the noise. This was the fourth noise I'd heard tonight with my own ears. The first being the thud from inside when we were out back then the noise in the spare room with Paul that didn't show up on the audio clip. Then there was the louder noise Amanda, Sarah, and I heard when we were in the hallway. And now, this was the last noise, which came from the master bedroom. A couple of things to consider when analyzing the sounds that we heard. First off, multiple people heard them each time. No one tonight ever came and said they solely heard something. Second, the noises seemed to grow stronger and change locations throughout the house. When we were inside, it appeared as if the noise came from the room beside the breezeway bathroom. The noise Amanda, Sarah, and I heard seemed to come from the spare bedroom. Then, the last noise was in the master bedroom. Lastly, the sounds were hard to debunk. They weren't pops or creaks as if the house was shifting. They weren't like scratching or crawling under the house. It was something in a room, hitting the wall or thudding on the floor, and it had weight to it. So these types of sounds aren't as easy to dismiss as animals or normal old house noises. As I mentioned earlier, my biggest concern was that Amanda had entrusted us to come and help. Now, if we left, it felt like we had just stirred things up without providing any real solutions. Yes, we determined that there was high EMF. Yes, we had told them that these were just assumptions that Sarah was making. And we were all in agreement that the Native American spirit was communicating to Sarah that she desired to have a true Native American cleansing ceremony performed to get rid of this male spirit. The images of the pipe Sarah was receiving, along with the specific herbs she was shown. However, we weren't sure if we had any connections to a medicine man or a Native American who could do this for us. However, I knew Alexis had an emergency kit for small cleansing ceremonies. I wasn't sure if Paul and Amanda would be up for this, but we could do this just temporarily until we could get a medicine man involved to do a traditional cleansing. Copa specifically is a tree resin that we burn on a charcoal and the smoke of Copa removes anything negative, anything that's attached, it removes anything, anything that we don't want, okay. but it keeps the good stuff. Okay. Um, then you could burn Palo Santo, which is also a very sacred wood, and what that does is very similar, gets rid of everything negative, but invites the positive. But it would be uh, like a Mexica cleansing is basically like doing the whole house, concentrating on the four directions and bringing all the good energy in and removing everything else out. What are the what are the challenges that we face if we do something like that here? Only drawback is that sometimes they're tricky and they hide, but with Sarah here, she could definitely tell us where it is 
It's always it's the only drawback if you're not sensitive and they're hiding. Then they literally could just be out of the house till everything clears and then come come back. But she could let us know for sure if if he's hiding somewhere in the house. I mean, if you guys have the, it's all about your time. Yeah, that's another so, thing. Well, we could we could do what we have here because I didn't bring a full set of everything. I just brought literally my emergency kit that I keep at my work because we we left straight from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can do what we have here, and then we'd probably come back and do what the girl recommends. Alexis performed a traditional kopal cleansing ceremony throughout the entire house with an emergency kit he had with him. We hadn't come fully prepared to do this, but I could sense a level of fear and anxiety in the house. I didn't want to leave without trying to bring some positive energy back into the home. There wasn't a whole lot of smoke coming from the copalero Alexis carried around the house, but we hoped it was enough to help subdue things until we could potentially find a Native American medicine man willing to come and cleanse the house in the way that we believe the female spirit was asking. Sarah followed Alexis around and reported that Zach was no longer around. It was hard to know if he had just gone into hiding or if the cleansing had actually worked, but it was getting late and we all had a long drive back to Austin. Admittedly though, everyone said the house felt great lighter. Amanda and Paul were thankful for our time. We said goodbye and I let them know that I'd check in in the morning to see how their night went. The next morning, I did text Amanda. And this is what her response said. We both slept very badly. We both heard knocking all night and I saw it standing over me at the door and at the end of the bed on my side. Paul said it's making noise today so he closed the bedroom door to trap him in there. I needed to talk to Amanda. So I decided to call her right away. So, you guys left. Because the house felt great. It felt lighter, it felt nicer, like, ah, it's good. And then um, it was definitely um, a night, for sure. I mean, we we woke up just over and over and over and over and over and over. And, and uh, him and I didn't compare notes until this morning. I asked him how he slept, and he was like, I just slept like hell. And, I um, woke up, just kept waking up, and, and uh, kept hearing all these knocking sounds. And I was like, yep. When I opened my eyes, I saw like a figure, but it wasn't like a, a complete figure. It was more of like a big thing of just dark um, standing by my side of the bed, which is behind that door mm-hmm. in the hallway. And then I'd fall back asleep a little bit, and then I'd wake up again, and it would be standing at that towards the end of my bed by the, the closet. After I hung up with Amanda, I was upset. Not at her, not at my team, and not even at this spirit Sarah was calling Zach. I was upset at myself. I started this show to simply tell ghost stories because they intrigued me. But now I found myself in a situation where people were being threatened by something they could not tangibly explain. Something that they couldn't defend themselves against. And they had turned to me and Franklin for help. But now, it appeared that we had failed them and made things worse. I thought to myself, what the hell do I do now? But just when I thought there was no hope, my team came together when I needed them the most. Alexis worked hard, and he got us a connection to a Native American medicine man. Franklin said he was ready to go back as soon as necessary. Then, Sarah called me and said that she had a new game plan and wanted to get back to New Braunfels immediately. 
While we worked on trying to get this Native American medicine man degree to help, Sarah was going to confront Zack and perform a ceremony herself to break his tether and his attachment to Amanda once and for all. Tune in on August 27th to hear the final chapter in the story of one family's struggle with a restless spirit in New Braunfels, Texas. Remember to visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the Night Owl podcast and consider becoming a Night Owl patron. A special thank you goes out there to all my current patrons. Your recurring monthly contributions help keep the show going and improving. Don't forget to check out all the exclusive extra content on our Patreon page that only you as a patron have access to. I want to thank my two wonderfully talented musician friends, Nicholas Fair and P.D. Wilder, for providing the music for the show. Please show your support for their amazing work by visiting their websites. Links to them can be found at thenightoutpodcast.com under our credits page. Thanks for listening to episode 10 of the Night Owl Podcast. If you're not already, find us and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here I post a lot about upcoming episodes, and you get sneak peeks and behind-the-scenes photographs of each location. And as always, make sure to go to our website, thenightowlpodcast.com. Here you can access our blog, which has a ton of behind-the-scenes information and photographs from each episode. Stay restless out there, and we'll see you next time. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcast or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.